Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online service. I am Pastor John, and we are continuing our sermon series entitled Moses Legacy, and we're looking at the book of Exodus. And I'm excited for this sermon because this is a sermon where God's name is revealed. So, thank you for joining in with us. I hope that this worship service is a blessing to you. I do, as I do every week, want to extend an invitation, though, for you to come and to join us in person. Our online service is not meant to be a replacement for in-person worship. Church is meant to be done in person, in community, connected with other people who live in your town, in your city. Because we are meant to reflect in the way we interact with each other, the character of God. So I recognize that we are still in a pandemic, um, but for those who are uncomfortable going indoors, we do have an outdoor service Saturday nights at 5.30. And for those who are comfortable coming indoors, we have a Sunday morning service at 10.30 where masks are required regardless of vaccination status and where social distancing is also in place. The pandemic is real and it is something to consider, but we believe that outdoor worship is safe and the precautions we have on Sunday can protect as well. So I invite you, when you are ready, come and join us in person. Come and worship with us and be in community with us. That being said, we are grateful and we are happy that you are tuning in with us through the online service as well. Um, whether it's through YouTube, whether it's through the podcast, we are grateful that you're connecting with us. The way this service works is we will have some announcements and then after that, the word of God will be read, there will be a sermon preached, and then we will have two worship songs to help guide you in musical worship. So, thank you for joining us. May God bless your time of worship. And may God be revealed to you through this service today. Welcome to Stonebridge. For the month of September, Stonebridge's global missions team is hosting Monday Mission Madness. 100% of the proceeds will benefit our partners in Haiti and Uganda as emergency relief is needed in both countries. Monday Mission Madness will also help support Simi Valley's local restaurants who have also been negatively affected by the pandemic. So give yourself a break on Mondays in September. Eat in or order takeout. Either way, it's a win-win-win. This coming Monday, Sharkies will donate 20% back to Stonebridge. Visit our website to download a flyer needed for the restaurant. Stonebridge has been in partnership with Sarah's House Maternity Homes for many years. The ministry of Sarah's House continues to help end the cycle of homelessness and abuse in women and children through comprehensive case management, counseling, and educational classes. Sarah's House is celebrating 30 years in ministry with a free worship night on Friday, October 1st. Our own Lee Krabby and Amy Nordstrom will be providing worship and entertainment you won't want to miss. For more information, contact Sarah's House. Stonebridge has a job opening for a full-time Youth and Family Ministries Director. If you or someone you know would be interested in this position, please contact the church office. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. And once again, welcome to worship. So as we continue our Moses legacy story, we come to Exodus chapter 3. 
where Moses is still at the burning bush. God is speaking to him through the burning bush. And Moses and God are talking about what Moses' calling is going to be. And God has said to Moses, you are going to lead the Israelites. And God wants to send Moses back to the Israelites. Because remember, he's been in the desert for seven years now. God wants to send him back to the Israelites. And Moses responds with these words from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And I invite you to hear the word of God. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And please join me in prayer. Lord, speak to us now, please. You revealed yourself to Moses in the burning bush all those years ago. And when you revealed yourself to him, it changed everything for him. You let him know who you are. Not just that you are all-powerful, all but you let him know the things that you were passionate about. You let him know the things that you cared about. You interacted with Moses. You spoke with Moses, Lord. And we ask that you do the same with us now. Speak to us through your scriptures. Help us to understand you, that we might follow you, and that we might take up the call you've placed on our lives, Lord. Speak to us. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, before we really dive into the scripture, there is some news I wanted to announce to everyone. My wife Emily and I are very excited because in March, we are expecting a new baby boy. So, we already have one son. His name's JD. He's going to turn two here in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be expecting another baby boy in the month of March, and we are very excited for that. And while we are excited about everything dealing with that, and we're excited JD is going to have a brother to play with, we also have found ourselves in a conundrum because we did such a good job with JD's name. So JD's name is Jonathan Donald Sauer, and we do JD for short. That's what it stands for, Jonathan Donald. Jonathan is my name, and Donald is my father-in-law's name, my wife's dad's name. So we just put those two names together. We covered both families. Jonathan is actually part of a family name. And we put them together and we came up with JD. We had both families combined, but we also came up with JD, which very few people in our families were called JD. So it was unique to him and we were so happy. We were so excited. And now we have another son coming and we used all the good names on our first one. So we're trying to figure out what are we going to name this child? And we're having a really tough time. And right now, we don't really have any good options. Now, I'm going to say this and just say, if you have great ideas, please, we're, we're good. We'll, we'll think of the name ourselves. Um, I appreciate suggestions, but only to a certain point. Emily and I are going to try to figure out our, our son's name here. Um, but we recognize that this is a conundrum because names are important. 
I mean, names become central to your identity. The name becomes central to how you identify yourself, to how people will recognize you. And in the Bible, names are important. When you know somebody's name, when you can say somebody's name, there is a level of intimacy there. There's a level of power involved in that. Names are very important. And you can actually see in other cultures and in our own culture, names are important. We typically don't speak to elders by their first name unless they've invited us to. We say Mr. This or Mr. Miss That or Mrs. That. We use first names when we're closer with somebody. And in other cultures, it's even more pronounced. There's different forms of the word you to show if you're important or not, if you can use somebody's first name or not. Names are very important. And it's actually very important that in the Bible, God has a name. God has a specific name in the Bible. And that's what's being revealed here to Moses in this chapter is the name of God. Now, I want to differentiate two things here. In the Bible, God has a name, and God also has a lot of titles. For instance, the name, or the word God, that's not God's name. The word God is an English term from Western philosophy and and the development of English. The actual word God isn't in the Bible. In Hebrew, what gets translated as God is Elohim, And then in Greek, it's theos. And these are broad terms. That's more about a title than it is a name. Now, the difference between titles and names. Titles refer to somebody's role or responsibility that they are filling. Whereas a name is central to who they are. Your title can change, but your name isn't supposed to change. Your name stays constant. So God has all sorts of titles. El Shaddai is one in the Bible. Um, Just like I said, Elohim, Theos is one in the the Bible. Um, Father is probably more of a title than a name of God in the Bible. But here in Exodus chapter 3, God's name is what's revealed. And it's not just I am, though that is a name of God. But the name of God that's used most frequently is revealed here. If you look in your English Bible, when it says Lord in this section, when God reveals himself as Lord, that's actually God's name in Hebrew. It commonly gets translated as Lord, and it'll be Lord in all capital letters there. But that's what's been known as the divine name. And that's what's revealed to Moses here. Now, there's a a couple of interesting facts with this. When this name is revealed to Moses, it's a name that, when it's revealed, it lets Moses know God at a deeper level. It lets Moses, Moses understand who God is, but that name, Lord, in Hebrew, it's unpronounceable in Hebrew, actually. It's this message that God's name can't actually be spoken out loud by humans. You can recognize it in writing, but you can't really speak it out loud, at least not well. 
That's why it's translated as Lord regularly. Because when the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek, the Jewish scholars translated God's name as my Lord. They didn't actually try to translate the name. They just replaced it with my Lord. So in the Greek scriptures, it just says my Lord here. So English adopted the same practice. Whenever that divine name is there, it says my Lord. So, why is this actually that important? Well, it's important because it it teaches us some things about God. It teaches us some things about Moses' relationship to God. It teaches us that God felt Moses was worthy of carrying God's name, of being able to let the Israelites know God's name. It also tells us, though, that God is a God who wants to be revealed to humans. God wants us to know the character traits that constitute this God that we worship. There's self-disclosure here. And what this tells us at a deeper level is the God of the Bible has personality. The God of the Bible has personality. I don't know if we always connect that to God. But the fact that God has personality is actually incredibly important. In Moses' environment, in the world Moses lived in, there were all sorts of gods. Now, we know looking back, those gods were fake. They were idols. Nobody should, be, should have worshipped those gods. But those, those were gods, and people did worship them back then. And in Moses' environment, the idea of there being only one God, most people wouldn't have understood that. They would have understood there's multiple gods that all these different nations worship and have different relationships to. So the fact that God has personality, and that here in this revelation to Moses, God's personality is being revealed, that separates the God of the Bible, the God of the Israelites, apart from all these other fake gods, from all these other idols that are being worshipped, this sets the God of the Bible apart. And God is saying to Moses, I am distinct. I have personality. And it's not just God's name, but it's these character traits of God that help distinguish God from the idols. Now, today in our own world, we might think we don't really have a lot of idols. Idolatry isn't a big problem for us. But I would contest that. I think idolatry is still one of the biggest problems for humans today. And it's one of the biggest problems in the United States. And it's one of the biggest problems in the Christian church in the United States. Idolatry, it's still present with us. We just use different terms. I think what's happened in a lot of settings is the word God, the term God, it's become so vague that we don't actually pay attention to the character traits of God. We hear that term God and we implant whatever preconceived notions we have of God into that term. And 
Too many people in our church aren't actually informed by the character of God revealed in Scripture. They're informed by philosophical traditions or political discourse. And they import their own ideas onto God. And this happens regularly. Now, as I'm saying this, you may be thinking, I don't do that. But each and every one of us should actually be questioning the levels of our own idolatry. The levels of our own misconceived notions of God. John Calvin, the reformer, one of the quotes that he's famous for is saying that the human mind is a factory of idols. And the reformers, when they wanted to to reform the church, one of the first things they did was get rid of any images of God. No pictures of God whatsoever. They probably destroyed a lot of great artwork because you could have a piece of art that didn't have to be in the church used in worship. But what they did was just destroy any pictures of God in their churches because they knew idolatry was present and that human beings left to their own devices, they will start making up their own ideas about God. And before we start saying, oh, we could never do this, we can never fall into this, we have to recognize it has happened over and over again throughout history. If you were to go back and look at World War I and the build-up to World War I, and let's say you dropped yourself in Germany as World War I was building up, I think you would be absolutely shocked at how many Christians and how many churches and how many pastors participated in the parades in the build-up to war. And they believed that God was on the side of Germany entering into World War I. And then let's say you pick yourself up and you drop yourself off in England in the build-up to World War I. And again, in England, you would be surprised at how many pastors, how many Christians were participating in the parades saying God is on the side of England in World War I. Now, if God is on the side of Germany and God is on the side of England and Germany and England are at war with each other, we have to recognize at that point we're not talking about the same God. Idolatry developed there. They started creating their own ideas of who God was. In the same way, here in the United States, in the Civil War, if you go and look at the rhetoric leading up to the Civil War, in the North, you have Christians and pastors saying that God is on the side of the North. And in the South, you have Christian pastors and leaders saying God is on the side of the South. And not only that, in the South, you have Christian leaders invoking the Bible to support race-based slavery as though that was something God wanted and something God had ordained in the world. The North and the South, they couldn't both be right. Idolatry developed. Abraham Lincoln, the president, in his second inaugural, he says that both the North and the South, they read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes God's aid against the other. At some point, we have to acknowledge that what has developed in these types of situations is idolatry. When people begin invoking God's name for their own causes, 
for their own political beliefs, for their own philosophical beliefs, when people start invoking God's name for their own desires and their own wants, idolatry is present. Thankfully, though, once we acknowledge this, once we recognize this, God has given us an antidote to idolatry. God has given us the way to address idolatry. It's here in this passage with Moses. When God reveals his own name to Moses, this is the antidote to idolatry. It's not just recognizing God's name, though. It's recognizing what I said earlier. God has personality. There are specific characteristics of the God of the Bible. There are specific desires that are expressed from the God of the Bible. When we look at God's relationship with Israel, we can see some of these character traits. And the more and more we look at these character traits, the more and more we realize the fundamental truth that the Bible is trying to teach us. We don't get to make up whatever we want about God. We can't just make up whatever we want about God. We can invoke God's name for different causes. We can invoke God's name to support what we already believe, but we don't get to actually make up who God is because God exists apart from our ideas about God. In the same way that I walk into the church and people will say, hi, Pastor John, and I have that name. And then I go home and Emily says to me, hi, John. And JD calls me Dadu. He doesn't say daddy. He says Dadu. I have all of those different names there, but I don't stop being the same person. I'm still the same person that I am in different settings, with different names and different titles that I fit, and the same is true for God. We can try to project whatever beliefs we want of ourselves onto God. We can try to use God's name in different ways. We can refer to God different ways, but at the end of the day, the God of the Bible is the God who exists, and our ideas don't actually change God. God has personality. God has character. God has character traits. And those are revealed in Scripture. So to Moses, what is revealed here? Well, God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This means that God is a God of relationship. God is a God of covenant. That God remains faithful to the covenant. And that God remains faithful to the promises that God has made. This is a God that we can have faith in, a God that we can have trust in. And God continues to pursue Israel because God wants a people who are just, a people who are righteous, so that the world can see God's character and how they interact with one another. This is a relational God who has decided that human beings are going to be the way that God's personality is revealed in the world. And what's underlying all of that is that this is a God who cares deeply about creation, who cares deeply about people, and who wants to bless all the nations through God's people, Israel, all the nations are to be blessed. We don't get to say that God all of a sudden stopped caring about all the nations. 
We don't get to say that God goes back on some promises. We don't get to say that God cares about one certain cause that we're excited about, unless that's what's revealed in Scripture. Furthermore, for us as Christians, we believe that God was most fully revealed in Jesus. And when we're talking about God having personality and God having a name, Jesus is one of the names of God. And Jesus remains consistent. And we don't get to just make up our own Jesus. Jesus, as revealed in the Bible, is the Jesus we follow. That's the revelation of God. So, what do we see from Jesus about God? What do we see about Jesus' character? We learn from Jesus that we are called to love our enemies. That we are called to pray for our enemies. We learn from Jesus that we are to reach across racial and ethnic lines to love people who would have been enemies to us. Jesus reached across to Samaritans. He lifted Samaritans up as heroes. What else do we learn from Jesus? We learn to turn the other cheek. We learn that victory is achieved not through power, but it's achieved through sacrifice. Jesus goes to the cross and achieves the victory over death by handing over his own life, by laying down whatever power he had to humble himself to the point of dying on a cross. These are the character traits of God revealed in Jesus. These are the character traits of God revealed in Scripture. And we don't get to make up whatever God we want to worship. God has been revealed to us in Scripture. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is continually revealed to us. But it's the God of the Bible who has a character that has been revealed to us. And we don't get to change that or make it up. I worry about the levels of idolatry that we see in our society today. And I worry about the levels of idolatry that we see in our church today. And I worry about all of these causes that people are invoking Jesus' name for that have nothing to do with the character of God revealed in Jesus. That have nothing to do with the God who was revealed to Moses. Again, though, in that worry, I think God has given us some grace. And God has given us a way out of this. And it's through the scriptures. God's character is revealed in the scriptures. And this is why Bible study is so important. This is why growth groups are so important. This is why reflecting on the scriptures and listening to preaching that reflects on the scriptures is so important. It's not so that we know our Bible better than anybody else. It's not so that we can claim any sense of superiority over people. We do all of this. We look at the scriptures so that we know God's character. So that we can experience the God revealed in scripture. And so that we can follow this God rather than the God of our imaginations. So we can follow this God here in the Bible rather than the political God that people lift up so that they can gain power. The scriptures are our antidote to idolatry because through the scriptures, God is revealed to us. So, may we all humble ourselves before the scriptures. May we look closely at the Bible, recognizing we don't have it figured out, recognizing that God 
is the one who decides who God is, not us. And may we look to the scriptures for guidance and to see the character of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
soul I give you control Consume me from the inside out Lord, let justice and praise God has given us a gift in the scriptures and God has given us a gift in revealing to us that God has a name, that God has a personality, that God has character that remains consistent regardless of our views or our thoughts. So as you go from here, may you go searching the scriptures regularly so that you can glimpse God's character. And as you go from here, may you go seeing the character of God revealed in scripture in your world seeing God's character breaking through into your world. And may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.